0: I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke chapter 18 verse 14. I'm Chris Dowd
1: and I'm Reagan Gilliland
0: and this is Off Script, the podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor and we are beginning today, well let's see, it's eight straight weeks that I'm preaching, so I, keep, yeah. I always keep track of that, um, <laughs> but also it's all awesome from here on out. That's how I started the sermon yesterday and that's how I feel about it. I know. Gotta make no apologies for that.
1: You shouldn't. But when you get up there and you're like, it's the best, it just makes me think of Parks and Rec for uh, Treat Yourself Day, when they're always <laughs> like, it's the best day of the year. <laughs> and then you just go through all the things they're going to treat themselves with. So that's all I could think of yeah, every yeah. time you preach.
0: Well, and the first image that I used in a sermon with the new projectors, mm-hmm. Christmas, even though it's October 16th.
1: Mm-hmm. That's fine. What's the earliest you've put your Christmas tree up?
0: Probably COVID year. Mm. We went up early that year. Okay. Yeah, but uh, so we we are upgrading our Halloween decorations at the house. So, okay. So uh, this weekend I put in exterior Halloween lights.
2: Cool. Above Ooh. the door.
0: Okay. The kids were pretty delighted by that, and then and Whitney picked it out. And she's not normally a big Halloween person, but it's a the witch flying into the tree oh, thing. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's up. So <laughs> I feel you know, the transition needs to come, at, you know, November first or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: Your Christmas trees up.
1: Not yet, but the earliest we've put it up is September 22nd.
0: Okay. Was that COVID year? Or was that just <laughs> no.
1: That was, <laughs> I think it was one year we were in seminary where we were like, we can't even enjoy like Advent season because it was like finals <laughs> and riding. I think we might have been doing like P&Q and we're like, let's put it up early so we can enjoy it mm-hmm. longer.
0: I affirm that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's fine.
0: We are, you know, our nativity stays out all year long. Right. Yeah. Our manger scene that we got in Bethlehem. Yeah. Stays on the hearth. Yeah.
1: The hearth, such a fancy word. Mm -hmm. The the mantle. Okay, so yeah, you already said how this kicks off like such a wonderful time of the year. Yes, yes. Even though you're like, you preach eight weeks in a row, which, whoo, that would not make me excited. (laughs) I'm tired, but you're like jazzed about it. Yeah,
0: well, yes. I normally try not to do that, but just the way the calendar fell this year. Yeah. yeah, That's the way it goes.
1: Um, Do you have any other fun traditions uh, during like October, November that your family does?
0: Like stewardship celebrations.
1: Yep, stewardship celebrations. Stewardship decorations. Do your kids really get into that? That sounds fun. <laughs> Stuff with pennies.
0: <laughs> well, so Halloween's not a huge deal in our house, but the kids, you know, we dress up, they dress up or whatever. So this year, you know, the kids, as the kids get older, I mean, our entire weekend is revolving around Sam sports, which is baseball right now, Max's marching season, and football. So that'll be Liberty High School football and of course, Notre Dame football, mm-hmm. and then the Cowboys. So and
2: the Cowboys. Uh, yeah.
0: No, there's plenty to be happy.
2: Okay.
1: For. How was stewardship talked about in the Catholic Church growing up? Hmm. How did they approach it?
0: <laughs> uh, well, we didn't really. We didn't really talk about it. But everybody, every family, at least in the little country parishes where I grew up, have we, have we talked about it? I feel like maybe we might have talked about this before, but we got the envelopes. Like you have an envelope for every week of the year. The oh, mailed okay. Like mailed to your house. Mm. Okay. So every and there were, there were no missing dates. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you weren't, Ew. if you were out of town or whatever, you just put mm-hmm. two in the following week.
1: I do not want to bring this tradition back. It's <laughs> part of the wow. communications department.
0: It was very helpful.
1: <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. It's very it's. okay.
0: Yeah, and you can still get those on Cokesbury. Wow. Cokesbury com. I'll send you the link.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> so okay, so that's fascinating. Like when s- someone joined the Catholic Church, what was the process of like them? knowing that they would need to give do you know like how the priest would give a pitch or what uh,
0: well you say joining the catholic churches so though that's an easy thing to do i know it's not really easy <laughs> no, but I, i'm just wondering like
1: what process in the process when is that talked about um, you may man, not know i don't know okay i don't know
0: they uh i mean i'm sure when you moved like you normally don't join a Catholic church unless you move into that area, yeah. And you come from an old Catholic church, and they—I'm sure they—you know—like do letters just like we do to old uh, your mm-hmm. previous parish to make sure that everybody knows you're accounted for, or whatever. But I'm pretty sure you got your envelopes right right off mm. the bat. So Father Reed—that's okay. my beloved spiritual figure growing up. So we, we did one big church fundraiser a year, which was the the uh, it was the chicken dinner. <laughs> And it was like there was a cakewalk. It was like a like a fair. I love a good cakewalk. It, mm-hmm. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So you you did that, participated in some way, and then you know you did your normal dropping your envelope in the plate thing. But he but he never really, to my memory anyway, in my memory, really preached about giving. Okay. I mean, we I, I feel like we had that little thing up on the front of the Church, uh, maybe it was in the bulletin. I feel like we got regular updates on like where the church was with regard yeah. to the budget or whatever, but yeah, it was uh, it was just not a major topic of conversation. And the hithing was not really a conversation at all, okay, that I recall anyway.
1: Was there the little board up front that said this is last week's offering? Well, that's been,
0: no, I don't think so. It was him, the hymns were up there, okay. We had a little board <laughs> at the front of the sanctuary, yeah, because uh, yeah. I've
1: been to a lot of. Small church, they have like this was the giving last week. How many were in attendance? So yeah, i was just
0: curious. But no, ca- not in a Catholic church. You're not a Catholic no, church. Yeah. not a Catholic. No. Yeah, I think I think board at the front was just the hymns every week. But yeah, it was just kind of expected.
1: So did the and envelopes- well, we
0: never talked about it. In my family like what the I never really saw how much the check was made out to. And but I just knew we always did it.
1: It was just made out to God.
0: <laughs> I mean, like how much it was. Yeah. I mean, it was made out to St. Mary's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So did the envelopes like have your name on them? Oh, yeah. They like. So they tag, oh, right. okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Man, okay. Otherwise, you would like some kids like take that out, put put our names on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no That
0: no, was, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's one very clear way to set an expectation, yeah.
1: right? Okay. All right. So, what is an unhelpful way to talk about stewardship, or even what's a damaging way to talk about this process of discipleship, kind of?
0: I was on Twitter this weekend. I have a very complicated Twitter feed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Much
1: <laughs> Yeah, you have, I mean, the things, yeah, it's all over the place. Because
0: I send you all stuff from mm-hmm. my Twitter feed frequently. Yeah. Yeah. I this I like.
1: believe. This I believe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the, much of it right now is Irish football angst. Mm-hmm. In, in case you're wondering, Marcus Freeman had a press conference this morning that did not go well. Okay. <laughs> He's the head coach of the, of the Irish. But anyway, my point is this weekend, some pastor was talking about stewardship at a church like – Someone in my someone in my feed went to a church where the the pastor basically called the congregation a bunch of losers because, because, because the stewardship campaign wasn't going well and they weren't being faithful enough and I'm like well that's yes that's one approach I don't think that's very healthy so I, think I would put that in the unhealthy category yeah
1: that's not
0: good motivation <laughs> well it's uh you know I guess uh, from one school of thought it's it's one form of motivation. Okay. So that wouldn't be good. I don't think guilt is good. No. And I don't think setting unrealistic expectations is good either. So I, I do think it's important to talk about that expectation. I mean, the expectation is the tithe, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't even feel like we really need to unpack that biblically all that much because it's clearly there. Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, it it uh, makes that very clear. And then by the New Testament era, if there's any kind of percentage number given at all, it's everything,
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. right?
0: Which, so, I mean, talking about it as the goal, I, like the way, I, the way I prefer to talk about it is that we're all called to tithe or be growing in our giving towards the goal of the tithe. You know, I mean, everybody's in a different place. So where you are, you know, as a 65-year-old empty nester, all the kids have gone through college, your retirement is secure, where you are with your giving at that point in your life is very different than where, you know, when you're young family with three kids and you're mm-hmm. trying to save for a million different things. And so for me, it's always been about, first of all, being clear about it. I do think Brene Brown is right. Mm-hmm. Clear is kind. Mm-hmm. And so tithing is the goal. If we're also honest, very few people are there, right? That's, I mean... Like two percent of Christians actually tithe, I think is the the consistent statistic that I see, and then be encouraging. So wherever you are, I mean, really wherever you are in your giving, the only number that's probably not okay, I mean, it very rarely would be okay is zero.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But beginning somewhere and then making it an intentional thing that, <clears throat> like, that you devote your time and attention and prayer to, that's what makes sense. And that and. That's what I tried to get to this weekend. Um, Wherever you're going to be with giving in the coming year, pray about that. Mm -hmm. And I I just don't know that anybody's really in the habit of that. So I think oftentimes, well, let me ask you, how many people do you think consult God on major decisions in their lives? And by consult God, I mean in prayer time say, God, I'm not really sure what to do about this. Reveal it to me.
1: How many? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What percentage? Uh, what what percentage? percentage of faithful Christians? I'm not talking about like the average person. I'm not talking about what people who really take their faith seriously ever think to be that specific in their prayer life. I'm going to say like 30,
1: 35%. Yeah. and I it, I, I
0: don't know. I, I bet it's lower than that.
1: If I'm being honest, it's only when I'm really gunked up about something. Sure. You right? know, I'm not asking them about my magazine subscriptions, but I am asking about like career changes or – Stuff going on with family, or Uh should we buy the jump and buy the house or not? Uh You know, this sort of stuff.
0: And when does that? But
1: when I'm stressed,
0: right? Mm -hmm. At the like, when you're when you're stuck on it, right? Yeah. It's not like you're It's not like our Mm go-to. and I'm not saying you actually. I'm saying just in general. Like we 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 go to God with the stuff that's difficult and the stuff that we know is tough for Mm -hmm. us. You know, if there's a relationship that's tricky, or someone's in the hospital, obviously, or dying, or whatever. I mean, clearly in those pastoral care cases, but. Then, like with a major life decision, <laughs> we are often so intentional about our decision-making process, and sometimes praying about it ends up being like the fifteenth or sixteenth thing we think about in the process of making that decision. Yeah. So, my point this weekend was: as you're thinking about what your giving is for the coming year, ask God, like invite God into that process, and um, invite the Holy Spirit to guide your reflection on that. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's healthy.
1: Yeah. I think probably people like Ashley said go to a big decisions, but thinking about <laughs> praying to God about what I should give is probably not on many people's radar. Right.
0: I don't think it is, and I think it should be.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah.
0: And I really, for me, I, I, it took me, and I said this in the sermon, I, and I think I was, I ad libbed a couple of things, maybe in the second or third version.
1: You that when you call them losers? <laughs> that was at eleven o'clock. I don't know if you missed that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Start calling people out specifically. Right,
2: let's do it.
0: No, but that that new church leadership—it was New Church Leadership, mm-hmm. leadership Institute—and he made it was really impactful. He said the last thing to be converted to Christianity, is somebody's wallet, almost always. And at that point mm-hmm. in my career and in my ministry, I had left my corporate job and taken a—I mean, let's just say—much less financially lucrative job in the church, yes. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And was paying for seminary, and so you know, giving was kind of a very low priority at that point because Mm -hmm. there was like a macroeconomic calculus that I was making. Like Mm -hmm. I'm actually giving tens of thousands of dollars to the church every year because we took this new, different job, Mm -hmm, I mean, but mm -hmm. that's not the way to look at it, right? (laughs) I mean, the way to look at it is here's what we make as a family and we know we're called to give 10% of that. So where are we now and where where do we need to be? And um, you know, my first reaction to that guy, he was so brash. I may have mentioned him on a podcast before. I've got a couple of his books. He's really funny. I wouldn't want him as my pastor, <laughs> but he, you know, he said what I needed to hear at that moment. And I think sometimes it, it takes a little. It just takes somebody being direct about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, at that same New Church Leadership Institute, there was a guy, a pastor from um, somewhere else. No one knows him here. I mean, it's a different area. Who said he was specific enough to say, "Okay, church, here's what you pay me." Here's what my housing allowance is. Here's what our family gives. (laughs) I'm like, well, that's pretty specific. I mean, first of all, even there's a couple ways to hear that.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
0: that can be a little bit of spiritual showmanship if you're Mm – but, I mean, so there's lots of different – for me personally, you asked earlier about unhealthy ways to talk about it. I don't think that's great either. But um, different structure and folks. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Now, when you
0: guys were at Thrive, how'd y'all – so Thrive is the modern service at – one Lovers Lane, yeah. One of the okay, one of the minor services, of Lovers Lane, that you and Scott pastored. Yes. So how'd y'all do stewardship?
1: So um, yeah, we would talk about it. Sometimes we would talk about it multiple, like three, four, six weeks. Like sometimes we talk about it a lot, but we we always had a certain sermon series. Talking about it, and so we kind of tried to not focus just on m- like money. Use all the passages for the about but money, but talk about it in the context of discipleship, kind of like we do. Right. So, and yeah, we encouraged people to to give what they could, and, and moving toward the tithe, similar mm. to here too. Right. And we used to make this like really big chart for the whole church. It was like a big pyramid with like different amounts, which I I went yeah. back and forth on because some yeah. of the lowest amounts were still pretty high, and right. I was like, hey, y'all. That's really like defeating to like the college student that's, like mm-hmm. I I can't give two hundred fifty dollars a year. Right. I mean, which for some people like that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just encourage them like whatever feels um, kind of sacrificial. That's between you and God, uh, but you need to there needs to be some sort of sacrifice in the way that you give. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how we approached it. Did you put your W twos up there? Yeah, we tax returns. Uh huh. Yeah. I would put people's houses up and i say, this is your address. I looked it up on Zillow, what it's worth. And, yeah.
0: Here's what we think you should be giving. This is what but you should be. Like, that's a very be, aggressive way to do
1: it. Yeah. And your kids go to this school. There are churches that I do that. I looked up the tuition, and this is how much it costs And your car. telling tales on a few denominations Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, man. i tell you
2: what. I've heard the horror, horror stories.
1: Yeah. No, not not helpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, I liked how you, you laid the foundation of prayer and like talking about how we, you know, be in prayer and conversation with, with God, with giving. And for some reason, I just kept thinking about how like the best relationships start with simple conversation, like talking about mm-hmm. anything and right. everything. And not that we're dating God. That takes me back to like <laughs>
2: evangelical.
1: <is> <laughs> yeah, evangelical days. Just <laughs> um, my boyfriend. Um, But (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) It's just so triggering. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, (laughs) But that conversation of like, yeah, when you really love someone, like every part like you want to devote to them. Mm -hmm. And like if we really like are moving in our discipleship to love God fully with every part of who we are, then yeah, giving money is like
0: is, is part of that it's got to be it's got to be on the list and i just you know every once in a while you'll hear somebody say oh all the church ever talks about his money that's not that's not. first of all it's not fair second of all it's not true third of all <laughs> jesus talked about it a lot more than more than i mean depending on how you count it more than any other subject mm-hmm. and so you know I've, i i said yesterday in the sermon I, I used to just dread the idea of having to do this every year before when i was exploring what i wanted to do I didn't think senior pastor of a large church in Plana was ever going to be on that list. Like I got thought maybe youth ministry, maybe teaching, maybe chaplaincy. I've come to really appreciate the fact that we spend time talking about this because it's, a, it's about priorities. So I'm teaching um, Exodus in my Between the Lines Bible study. And we're at the part right before the crossing of the Red Sea. God talks about how all the firstborn are to be dedicated to god so at this seminal moment <clears> at <throat> the moment that god's people become god's people right mm-hmm. this is the moment that israelites are kind of created as not a, just a, a family thing but a, a, a confederation of tribes devoted it to god it's it harkens back to this idea of first fruits <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so it's just it's something that has to be it has to come first it doesn't have to be the biggest thing on the family budget, but it's it's got to come first. It has to be the thing that's top of mind if we're doing it biblically. And um, I've always thought we could do better on mm-hmm. how to teach it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's it's not so much, you know, stewardship is not like give uh, giving money to, to give to salaries. Like you have to think of it as ministry, like yeah, helping well, give to.
0: I actually think you have to think about it, not as related to the Correlated to the church's budget at all? Okay. <laughs> you give it because that's what—that's your expression of gratitude to God.
2: Mm.
0: Now, the church needs to be good stewards of it. Correct. Yeah. And we have a whole team of highly dedicated, capable lay leadership that monitors all of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, as we should. But it's just not about the church's budget, and it's about it, it's about my relationship with God. You know, there's a philosophical argument. Or debate or conversation, maybe. Why not just reduce my salary <laughs> by what I'm going to give? But that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Like you, you give a portion of the first fruits of what you receive,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's just as important for me to do that as it is for uh, the church to have that those funds available for ministry. Mm-hmm. So they're correlated, but they're not. One does not like the the money and the budget and the fundraising piece. That's not the point mm-hmm. of stewardship.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the first parable. Can you summarize the first half of it?
0: <laughs> yeah, these are crazy parables. Mm-hmm. Only in Luke. Yeah. And they're both and they're and the main character in both these parables are kind of jerks. And the first one is an unjust judge. It's kind of a funny phrase. Mm-hmm. But that's one. That's the phrase Jesus uses in this translation. Jesus uses. And he just comes out and says, "I don't care about God. I don't really care about other people. I just want this widow to stop bothering
1: me." <laughs> That's my tattoo on my back. <laughs> it's very hard to get removed. I've tried.
0: Are all the words spelled properly or correctly, hopefully? <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's a weird... Like, that's a weird way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. But the, the point is that the widow um, won't leave him alone until she gets the justice, presumably, owed to her under the law. And so Jesus makes the kind of uh, correlation. So we should be like this persistent widow in prayer. If even an unjust judge is going to give her justice based on her persistence, surely God will mm-hmm. respond will respond to our prayers. That's, okay. So this, this idea of persistence in prayer. Okay. And then the second one is another delightful character. It is. A Pharisee who says, thank you, God, that I'm not like all these other clowns, especially this guy over
1: here. That's how I start my morning prayers. <laughs> And I list specifically people. Scott. Yeah. I'm like, thank goodness I'm not like Scott. You're in there, Chris. Ashley. You're not in there. You're not in there. So, yeah. Generous.
2: Yeah.
0: Solidarity. awesome. And in that one, the point is that the tax collector, who doesn't even look up to God because he doesn't feel like he's worthy of that, Mm -hmm. says, you know, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's a tradition called the Jesus Prayer that grows out of that. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That made it. I was the first cut. I, I had this cut for time. So then he says, in this, also, all 14 verses, both these parables are really fundamentally about prayer, which is why I did the prayer thing in the mm-hmm. service in the sermon. Then uh, he he says, anyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and vice versa. And so, in these two kind of unusual. With these unusual main characters, neither of whom seem like people you'd want to hang around, <laughs> mm. Jesus teaches a lesson. And uh, I had somebody come come through the line yesterday, who I think worked for the IRS for her entire career, and she always loves this that second parable because the tax collector is actually the role model. Yeah. In the
1: no, yeah, in the story, which is
0: which actually it would be entirely unexpected to Jesus' audience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a whole thing. Um, stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. I had a whole thing about how the widow is somebody that's on the margins. What are the orphan, the poor, and the stranger? Luke is very interested in emphasizing ministry to the, with those on the margins. And so this person on the margins becomes the role model. Same way in the second story where the tax collector, someone who's not expected that, you know, you wouldn't expect to be a role model, becomes role model. So it's a very unusual way that Jesus tells those parables and he makes the same critical point. And <laughs> it was a little bit risky, go ahead and preach on that second parable because the Pharisee is not the role model, mm-hmm. but he does give a 10th of his income.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: like he just comes out and says it. So, you know, you gotta, I mean, the point was not that his practices were bad. The point was that his heart was not in the right place.
1: Yeah. So I want to focus on that for a second. So kind of question I thought about is that how some people feel like because they give more, they should have more, they have more power or they're more righteous in the mm-hmm. church. Um, why does our generosity have nothing to do with the dollar dollar <laughs> yeah. amount?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're gonna get me to preach on that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's a really complicated question. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's uh, it, on one hand, it's not complicated at all. the The amount that you give doesn't it's not correlate does not like reflect your status quote mm-hmm. unquote using air quotes in, in the church in terms of what Jesus thinks of you, what the pastors think of mm-hmm. you, what like what jobs you get to do in the church. I mean, there's nothing
1: yeah. like that. That's we're not that's passing connected. around that info to the staff. Like, <clears throat> okay, <laughs> this is who like we no. don't we don't do that. No, no, no. yeah.
0: Um, I I would say it, it is in my experience now. So I mean, going on 20 years, four different churches. It's I think it's often the case that obviously there's a connection between generosity and uh, just the resources that you mm-hmm. have in your life. Yeah. but there's also a, a correlation a connection between generosity and just kind of spiritual maturity. It, it takes a while to, in my opinion, and at least in my experience, to to take giving seriously enough that you would be moving towards the tithe. I mean, that's that you have to be very committed in your discipleship to get to that place. Mm-hmm. And if you are very committed in your discipleship and you've gotten to that place, almost always the rest of your spiritual life is reflective of that as well. So it's not just that you are capable of uh, making a significant contribution every week. It's that you you take service seriously, you take prayer seriously, you you want, like you are sincerely invested in the good of the church for the impact that the church can make in the world. That's almost always the case. You know, I guess uh, I've never met people like this, but I'm sure there are some people who, who give out of a sense of guilt or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And and certainly there, there's plenty of evidence <laughs> in all aspects of society that money can be used in a in a corrupting fashion.
1: Correct, yeah.
0: But when it comes to the theology of stewardship, it truly is about that individual person's relationship with God. And the extent to which pastors in the church are called to help teach and, and preach about that is just a reminder of biblical principles that have been around since Abraham.
1: Yeah, because the Pharisee, like, yeah, that's great he gave 10%, but his heart was not, he was not living into all the other <laughs> right. Um, things of discipleship. Right. And so...
0: Right. And that is, that is the point that I was trying to make yesterday yeah. with the Pharisee, that his practices are fine, his priorities are all jacked up. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, our our first work as disciples is to make sure our priorities are straight, that we do in fact love God and mm-hmm. are motivated by that. And then once we've got our kind of heart set, then we start to make sure that our practices reflect that. Yeah love
1: yeah because anyone I mean essentially anyone can write a check but it's all this other stuff that takes right, right. Um, I'm sure you've had people approach you I've had people approach me in my ministry that that will apologize and say I'm sorry that I can't give more mm. what's your what's your response when people say things like that well yeah I like, just, it's, it's almost like they feel guilty
2: like, yeah
0: yeah 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 there's nothing but a pastoral instinct then mm-hmm. that, that that elicits nothing but a pastoral instinct. I mean, people are where they are mm-hmm. in their financial lives, in their personal lives, in their spiritual lives. And like if you're, I mean, there's no ifs. There's no conditional mm-hmm. things here. It's fine. You are where you are. Yeah. <laughs> right? And there's no, there's no need to apologize. Certainly not to me <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: as the pastor. The question is, are we growing in our discipleship? That's the fundamental question. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to do that. I don't think it's an either or. I don't think it's uh, I don't feel like I'm able to give anything, so therefore I will do these other things. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily healthy either. I think mm-hmm. it's it's a kind of a comprehensive thing that we yeah. do in discipleship. But guilt should never be part of the conversation. Right. when it comes to, to giving.
2: Yeah.
0: Because I don't certainly don't know where everybody is, where anybody is mm-hmm. with regard to their financial situation. I know the biblical principle, I know what, what we're called to do as disciples. And uh, I know that the Holy Spirit is at work in everybody's life, encouraging them to take the next step.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking of the story of the widow, like who gave not much, but yeah. the Jesus, like she gives more. Yeah,
0: and it's really I. So I, I, I wrote a commentary on this uh, that showed up in Feasting on the Word. You ever read?
1: Um, Okay, so, yeah.
0: Uh, I think it was Jamie Souls, one, one of the professors at Perkins recommended me to do this thing. Okay. It was when I was in Henrietta. And what I found when I did a deep dive on that particular passage from Mark, I think I did the, the version from Mark. The widow gives to her two mites, the widow's mite yeah. they call it. He does not say that was a good thing to do.
1: Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't helps.
0: compliment her for that. Can't imagine Jesus wanted the widow to give everything that she had to the maintenance of the temple. Okay. But the point that he's making is contrasting what she's given
2: mm-hmm.
0: with the people who just throw in whatever's mm-hmm. in their pocket. Yeah. And the lesson there is about the intentionality of this practice. So I never noticed that he didn't compliment her. We always kind of assume yeah. that she's kind of lifted up as a role model, mm-hmm. but he, he doesn't do that. He just says that what she has done is much more significant than what they have done and probably... Everybody needs to evaluate what's going on here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes me think. Uh, being serving at Lovers Lane, I think I shared this probably last year during stewardship about how Lovers Lane has African refugees, and they are the most faithful givers, mm-hmm. and they're given a mm-hmm. dollar a week, two dollars, mm-hmm. but it's like it is proportionally like right. they are. That's
0: what they're able to do.
1: They're able to do, and they they give, and they're faithful, and they're growing, and they like all. I mean, they were always our greatest examples, I feel like, in stewardship time. Yeah. So. Okay, so what is a challenge for our congregation and a desire to love God more? How would you answer that? Probably a challenge if you're looking to... Giving money doesn't make you love God more or prove to us that you love God more. I think it's starting with prayer like you focused on, joining a group, being in a study, reading your Bible, all of those things. So like... If it seems overwhelming to do all those things, like pick one thing. Um, if you have desire to to grow and and knowing more, then I think asking questions, reading, asking a pastor to meet with you, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. taking kind of that next step that something that maybe you've never done before. Mm-hmm. Try that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think we're in this really like as a society and as a denomination. We're in this. I mean, the word that gets kicked around a lot in pastor circles is liminal like we're in this liminal mm-hmm. moment, uh, this moment of kind of fundamental change. I mean, the post-COVID church is gonna be a smaller church in person, probably a smaller church in general, probably is going to take everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> contributing what they can, yes, financially, but also through prayer and through service to kind of keep the church where it's been in terms of our ability to do the ministries that we've been doing. And I think, that, I think that's a challenge for the church because you were asking that about the individual spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to reframe it a little bit yeah. for the macro level, for the congregational level. And we'll see. I mean, there's always anxiety. We may be heading into a recession. Stock market's taking a real beating this year. And so and that always tends to make people a little anxious, mm-hmm. including the Dowd family, <laughs> our, <laughs> our college funds are mm-hmm. for the boys or not what they were at the start of the year. So, I mean, all of that's very real. I've always believed, though, that if we're doing what we can, if we're being faithful, if we're prayerfully letting the spirit guide us in our decision-making, then everything's going to work out fine. But it's a, I mean, we'll see. The stewardship season is always, if we're just going to talk turkey for a minute, it's always a stressful time for the staff as we're planning for the coming year. We have very dedicated financial folks and um, ministry professionals who are very diligent stewards of, pe- of the money that people entrust to us. But as we look ahead to what we want to accomplish next year, you know, it's just a weird moment for everybody and a difficult moment for some. And so, you know, we'll see how that challenge unfolds. I'm always eternally optimistic when it comes to money and I'm confident that things will happen as they should and that we will uh, respond appropriately to whatever uh, challenges come our way. But I mean, it's real. The budget's mm-hmm. down from, you know, pre-COVID. Attendance is down from pre-COVID. We, we talked about this at the town hall a couple weeks ago. Um, we're still strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're still, when you compare us to any other oh, yeah. United Methodist Church, we're in terrific shape. It just looks different than it did three years ago, and so, listen. If everybody just takes the simple advice that Jesus gives us in this parable, in these two parables, and remain persistent in our prayer, both for discernment and for the well-being of the church and for the well-being of our community and our families, it's all gonna be good.
1: It's mm-hmm. a good word. I feel like we should end on that. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that was great. good. Yeah.
0: Thanks. Okay, so next week we are still in Luke. Actually, I've not looked ahead to the text yet, but it's—I'm sure it's about service. Hmm. And so, I mean, right. I, I chose it like eight <laughs> months ago. Um, so, but it's about serving others, and so we have an opportunity to serve after the service. We sure do. Send hope packets, which would be great, and then two weeks on October 30th—that's celebration Sunday. So, hopefully, everybody will get their financial commitment cards in by then. On that day, ideally, that's, that's the most fun when mm-hmm. we all come forward. But if you can't be there, you can always do it online. And then it's All Saints, Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas. Oh
1: my
2: gosh, it's good, guys. It is all the best. Ah!
0: Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, we appreciate y'all listening. Have a wonderful week and we'll be back next week with another episode of Offscript.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. Produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode.
2: Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.